Monsters is a podcast about the worst human beings on the planet. The episodes of this podcast deal with murder, dismemberment, torture, rape, child abuse, and mental illness. Please turn back while you still can. Listener discretion advised. On October 2, 2006, Frances Elaine Campioni drowned her two daughters, three-year-old Serena and 19-month-old Sophia. She was in a bitter custody battle with her ex-husband, Leo Campioni, who she had divorced due to allegations of spousal abuse. Instead of risking him getting custody of their daughters, she chose to drown them in the bathtub before attempting to take her own life. An attempt that failed. This is Monsters. Come back and find out that he's deceased. Tapping me on the head, telling me I'm cheating, telling me I'm, you know, let me see your phone. You just kill her and she dies. I think Diego Campioni is totally in the wrong and I hope he burns in hell for all his sins. Hell's not a very fun place. I only have two hands. I'm not four hands, girl. I'm two hands. And her nose just get escalated and escalated. This story is fairly complicated due to Elaine Campioni's emotional state at the time of the murder, but she clearly killed her daughters to spite her ex-husband. There's no doubt that she committed spousal revenge filicide, which is the least common, even though we have two stories in this season. Campioni recorded a message to her ex-husband after she drowned the girls. There's no question about her main motivation. She also suffered from mental illness. She had previously been hospitalized after suicide attempts. In the videos she made around the time of the murders, she clearly thinks that she is saving the girls from a horrible life. This would be considered altruistic filicide. Not only did she want to punish her ex-husband, but she thought she was saving them from the doomed life they would have had if he got custody. It's common for the parent to also commit suicide after they carry out altruistic filicide, and Campione did attempt to kill herself, but didn't succeed. When police arrived at the apartment of Elaine Campioni on October 4, 2006, they found her two daughters lying in her bed, dressed in pajamas, deceased. The children were holding hands with a rosary and a photo album between them. Campioni claimed that she had taken a bottle of pills to kill herself, but didn't have any recollection of anything else. Elaine met Leo Campioni in 2000, and Elaine's mother, Miss Goodine, testified that she sensed tension in the relationship immediately. Miss Goodine said that things got worse as each child was born until Sophia was born and Elaine called her claiming that Leo had hit her. She had taken the girls and moved to a woman's shelter. Miss Goodine said that her daughter never seemed interested in the kids either. When they visited her one summer, Elaine spent most of her time on the phone and, quote, didn't seem engaged with the girls, end quote. Court documents showed that Elaine had alleged that Leo began attacking her during her first pregnancy. Pictures taken at the time that she checked into the women's shelter showed bruises on her face, arms, and legs. Her claim included abuse of the children, saying once he slapped Serena so hard he drew blood. The assault case was supposed to go to court the day after Elaine called police to report her children were dead. That case got suspended during the murder trial and then never moved forward. Leo Campioni denies the assault charges and claims that the accusations are the result of her mental health problems. Elaine had been hospitalized multiple times in the year before the murders. She was hospitalized for almost a month in the summer of 2006 after attempting suicide. 
Elaine was becoming increasingly paranoid, believing that people were following her on orders from her ex-husband. She thought that people were trying to take her daughters. She even claimed that she was seeing aliens. A year before the murders, while her mother was visiting, Elaine started driving while only making right-hand turns and refusing to park next to any black cars. She also started refusing to let Serena touch anything red because it represented blood. After her last hospitalization, she was released with medication and her daughters were given back to her. She was still dealing with a great deal of stress, though, going through a custody battle. Because of her history with mental illness, Elaine claims that Leo threatened that she would lose custody of the girls. He said he would tell everyone that she was unfit to raise her children. On October 2, 2006, Elaine Campioni recorded a video of her daughters where she talks to them and sings with them before going on a rant against her ex-husband and his family. Um, yes, mommy's right here. You can't see through the camera, boo-hoo-hoo. Oh, yes, this is a deplorable, horrible, messy, filthy apartment that supposedly my two children and I live in, and it's just a horrible, horrible mess. Yeah. I think Diego Campioni is totally in the wrong, and I hope he burns in hell for all his sins. The same as Leonardo. All I wanted to do was take care of my two little girls and live happily ever after after the three years of physical, emotional, and mental abuse that I endured tremendously by Leonardo Campioni, and then the past year from Anna and Diego Campioni, the mental and emotional abuse, which wasn't stopped, and I had CAS keep bringing these two people into my life over and over again when I kept telling them the amount of mental and emotional abuse it was causing my three-year-old daughter, Serena, and I, and Sophia. It was horrible and uncalled for, and I want justice mommy, to my family for what they have all done to us. I cried out for help. They should have charged him for the assaults he did to me, the assaults he did to my, my oldest daughter, Serena, and they did nothing, nothing for us. Instead, they gave him more and more rights. It's just unfair and cruel. And so many women go through this, and it's not fair. We should have been allowed to leave and go home and heal with my family, who, by the way, were foster parents, who have CS clearance, unlike his family, who are immigrants who lie and steal and do everything horrible and associate with very bad criminal people. My family doesn't. My family are all upstanding citizens. But yet, he and his family get all the rights. And my poor three-year-old, I do everything After talking to Sophia, she claims that Leonardo Campioni and his parents, Diego and Anna Campioni, had inflicted physical, mental, and emotional abuse. She is upset that she hasn't gotten justice for the abuse that Leo inflicted. She also says that her parents had child services clearance from being foster parents, but the Campionis were immigrants who associated with criminals. There doesn't seem to be any source that confirms that claim, though. The next video is of her sitting alone on a sofa, crying. Everyone, the truth, how you beat 
three years behind closed doors beat me when I was pregnant with Sarah and Sophia. You didn't care about our babies, you didn't care about me, you didn't care about yourself. All you did was hurt us. And you get surrendered an idea that you could actually have my children. God believes me. And God's taking care of them now. You're protected by God. Thank God. Thank you. Because there's no way I could have them with you. You're a hideous monster. The things you used to do to me. I still have horrific nightmares all the time because of you. You're evil, horrible man. I paint the cords to let me go home where I could be protected by my family. I went through lawyers fighting. This is the last lawyer, even with all the papers I showed, telling her, look, you know, he's lying. There's nothing wrong with me mentally. There isn't. I'm scared of you. I'm scared of everything of your family. Everything you've told me over the years is the truth. And I'm just going to God, because God is the only one who cares and can protect me. Because you are the devil, Leo. You are the psychotic devil. She asks Leo if he's happy. She says that everything is gone. She says, quote, the idea that you could have my children, end quote, and, quote, they're protected by God now, end quote. She claims that she has proof that there is nothing wrong with her mentally, but I haven't seen anything that says that. Doctors that testified at her trial said she did suffer from mental illness. That wasn't a question at trial. The question was whether or not she knew what she was doing. This video shows that she intentionally drowned her daughters so their father wouldn't get custody of them. All I wanted was to escape from you, take my babies to the safe haven, and I couldn't even do that. Your family tracked me around harassing me, demanding to come to my apartment, sitting here and then try to say it's a horrible, dirty place when it wasn't. The authorities have been here. People have told me they could eat off my floor. That's how clean I kept it. But oh no, that wasn't good enough. Nothing's good enough for you. It has to always be your way. Well, they're good. And you can have it your way. Your wife and your daughters are dead now. We're all in heaven. And you can sit there. And you can be happy, you can be some Mr. Gigolo going around doing whatever the hell you want. All I wanted was to go home with my little girls and heal from what you did to me. And you made it so the court would even do it for me. They wouldn't even allow me to go home to be with my family. Instead, I had to be here with a bunch of strangers and be tortured by you and your mother and your father. Your mother's the devil just like you, and you know it. Quote, your wife and your daughters are dead now, end quote. She talks a lot about trying to take her babies back home. She's originally from a small town called Gasparo Forks in New Brunswick and moved to Bradford, Ontario for work before meeting and marrying Leo Campioni. She wanted to move back to Gasparo Forks to be with her parents. She claimed that he made it so the courts wouldn't allow her to go back to New Brunswick. Her hometown is very secluded and about 1,500 kilometers or 930 miles away from Bradford, which itself is 70 kilometers or 43 miles north of Toronto. There's not much available about the assault charges or the custody battle because those cases never moved forward after the murders. I can only assume by my experience with my own parents' divorce, which happened several hundred years ago because I'm an old, old man, 
When they divorced, my mother wanted to move us to a different state, but since my dad had visitation, she legally couldn't. She had to go to court and make a deal with him. I can only assume that, since they were in an active custody dispute, she wasn't able to move away from the father. Now, he may have caused that by notifying the court so that she wasn't able to move, but I have no evidence of that. It's believed that, after making the first video, she took the girls into the bathroom where she held them underwater. Once they drowned, she dressed them in pajamas and placed them both in her bed, holding hands with a rosary and a photo album placed between them. She then took a large amount of the anxiety medication Colazepam and went to sleep with the intention of dying. Except, the next morning she woke up. The overdose didn't work, and now she was alive and her daughters were dead. She sits down and makes another video. The radio is on in the background, and it's hard to hear. She says, quote, I tried to overdose, but it didn't work, end quote. She also makes negative comments about her ex-husband not being able to let it go. She says that her daughters are now free of him. It's unclear what Elaine did the rest of the day, but it wasn't until the following morning, October 4th, at 6.15 a.m., that she called the police on a non-emergency line. She told the person on the other end of the line, quote, my children are dead, end quote. When they asked her what happened, she said, quote, I don't know, I don't remember, end quote. This is the point where she starts claiming she doesn't remember anything about the girls dying. Either she's lying to try to get away with it, or she's blocked it out as a coping mechanism. Nobody really knows except for her. She's arrested and interrogated. She understood there was some rights that you had and that you were charged. Mm -hmm. Okay, did you, what, what was it that you understood yourself was charged with? That was it, that I was being charged with some kind of charge. Meanwhile, a man from the back was yelling at her about something else that was going on in the back, in the master bedroom. Mm -hmm. And what did you understand that to be? He was saying uh, that my two daughters were there. Okay. And then after that, there was somebody in the kitchen. And then I don't know if there was a third one behind him in the bedroom or not, and she kept telling me to stay focused and look at her because she needed to tell me things. Okay. And did um, she spend a lot of time with you? Well, she was trying. I was busy looking at everybody else. Okay. Um, and so at what point did you understand that you were charged with murder? She didn't say I was charged with murder. She said I was being charged. You were being charged, okay. Um, did anyone at some point in time tell you that you were being charged with that? No. Okay. Um, until what now. You until now? Yes. Okay, what about when you came into the station? Now, in the station now. When you first came into the police station? Do you recall that? No, he was writing down my birth date and mm -hmm. stuff, and she was there, and another man was with her. Okay, okay, so you understand that uh, you've been charged with, now you understand that you've been charged with two counts of first-degree murder? Yes, I okay. understand what you're saying. And, and, and the, the charges are for murder in regards to both of your children? 
Okay. The officer who's interviewing her starts by trying to make sure she's aware of her rights, but she's already talking like she doesn't totally understand that she's being charged with the murder of her daughters. She claims that she was told that she was being charged, but that nobody told her that she was being charged with murder. The investigator tells her that she's being charged with two counts of first-degree murder, and that it's in regards to the deaths of her two children. It sounds like she starts to cry. On one hand, it sounds like she's upset that she's finding out about her daughters being dead, but on the other hand, she continues to act like she doesn't know what happened to them. There's a blockage. I don't remember. I have videotape. I keep telling them I was videotaping my, my two-year-old signing, I love you. And then I went and I was singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to my, my baby that she was in the tub, and that's all I remember. She claims that there's a blockage, that she was singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to her younger daughter in the bath, and that she doesn't remember anything else. Only you know what was going on inside yourself. And when this they happened, were my babies. they're your babies, I know. Serena was playing in the, in the living room, coloring, sign, doing sign language. Mm -hmm. Sophia was having a bath. We were videotaping. Mm -hmm. Everything was fine, listening to music. Same as we always do. Mm -hmm. It's, nothing's different. They go to bed between 7 8 o'clock at night, every night. Mm -hmm. I kept them in a routine to keep them stable mm -hmm. because of the chaoticness of having to have a babysitter in a day or babysitter at night because he's dragging me into court for this and that. Meanwhile, my daughters are bawling their eyes out because they don't want me to be away from them. I know you love them. I, I can tell that. It's interesting that she claims that she doesn't know what happened to them. Later in the interview, she even claims that she doesn't know they're dead, but says, quote, they were my babies, end quote, past tense. Quote, I kept them on a schedule, end quote, past tense. She knows they're dead. She still has the frame of mind to talk about herself as a good mother and that her ex-husband is the bad guy. She was keeping them in a routine and keeping them in a stable environment because he was dragging her to court. She's saying that he was messing up their lives, constantly dragging them to court, and she was the one that was keeping them on track and keeping them stable. I don't know, but I'm trying to understand what happened last night, and only you can tell me that. I don't understand. And I don't understand, and I don't. The next thing I know is I got people at my house. Mm -hmm. A guy with a blue outfit with orange on it in my bedroom. As uh, a police officer telling me something about charges. Mm -hmm. I'm asking where my daughters are. Mm -hmm. And they're just looking at me telling me they need to put handcuffs on me. I need to get on a stretcher. And I'm still asking them where my, my daughters are. Mm -hmm. And that's all. The investigator is trying to get her to explain what happened between October 2nd and when she called 911. She maintains that she doesn't know. She claims that suddenly people are at her house and telling her something about charges. She's asking where her daughters are. She's basically saying that on October 4th, she does not know that her daughters are dead. Where do you, where do you think your children are now? I assume my husband has I hope you understand you've been charged with murder. 
you understand that both the children, Sophia and Serena, are both deceased. The excerpts of this interrogation are being played in chronological order. When the investigator asks her where she thinks her children are, she responds that she assumes they're with their father. This is after she was told she's being charged with two counts of first-degree murder regarding her daughters and after she talks about them in the past tense. She's saying that she doesn't understand that they are dead and assumes they are with their father. The reason I have a hard time believing that she doesn't remember the murder of her daughters is because of the amount of times she talked about it. She didn't take a bunch of drugs in an attempt to overdose and then kill her children in a drug-induced haze. She talks about her ex-husband, the reason that she killed her daughters, at length in a video before she drowns them. She's alert and she hasn't taken an overdose of pills yet, at least according to her. She talks about her daughters being dead in a video after she kills them. She's still alert and she is deliberately making this video so Leo can see it later. She talks about trying to overdose but not succeeding in another video. She is completely aware of what is going on. I believe that she waited until the following morning to call police so that she could claim that she woke up, found her daughters dead, and then claimed she didn't remember what happened. You said something about how she was, she was trying to float in the... She's trying to float backwards and then she got water in her ear and panicked and then... It showed me the tape. I stopped because I went to pick her up to pull her out and kept telling her it was okay because she was trying to show she could float on her back. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped. Okay, why did you stop? Because I wanted to pick her up because she panics when she gets on her back. Mm -hmm. Did her head go under the water? Her ear. And she doesn't like water in her ears. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, at any point during that, did you push her under the water? No. You sure, Aileen? I'm sure. These are my babies. I've been taking them to swimming lessons and trying to teach them not to be scared of the water. But well, you took this medication, right? Yes. And you said you wanted to end your life. You wanted to end it all. I wouldn't kill my babies. I could be spare my life. I understand that. It's one thing if I don't want to live, but I want but these are my babies. Mm -hmm. My parents could have took them. Did you take your medication before the bottle of medication before or after? After the baths? In between the baths. I In between? Think. I'm pretty sure between. So when you say in between, they were in their bath, taking their baths, and then, then you took the medication. Yeah, because Serena was in her bedroom, getting. I had a the brittle water, and Serena was getting the the pink, the, the purple, flowery princess dress, mm -hmm. and asking me if she could wear it for bed. Mm -hmm. Never. These are my babies. Mm -hmm. 
The investigator starts asking her specifics of what happened in the bath, and this is where Campione's responses start tiptoeing into being delusional. She says that Sophia was trying to lay back in the water, but started to panic when she got water in her ear. He asks her exactly when she took the bottle of pills, and she says she took them between the girls' baths. She's claiming that she wanted to die, but would never kill her children. And where did the kids sleep last night? They slept in my bed. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. What happened there is... I came to bed around 9, 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Went to curl up with Sophia. I brought... I was going to bring in a bottle for her because it's usually her feeding time and she was cold. Mm-hmm. And the fan, I leave a fan running. So I pulled up the covers from both of them. Mm-hmm. And I cuddled up both of them and usually they turn and cuddle in with me. They weren't cuddling in with me. Mm-hmm. And Sophia had weird colored lips. Mm-hmm. And that's when I thought there was something wrong. And I looked at Sophia Serena. And she was looking weird, too. Mm. What happened then? And I assume that's when I called. I didn't know after. That's all I can remember is going to cuddle in with them to get ready to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And they weren't moving. They were just laying there. And usually they turned to me. And Sophia usually wraps her arm around this arm and Serena reaches over both of us Mm -hmm. to cuddle in with both of us. And they should have had, they should have had their blankies, they should have had Barney and kitty cat and and sheep because they all sleep with us. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they were all there, but that's who she sleeps with all of us in the bed. Yeah, all, all of them were there. Okay. They were all there. Right. The delusional part of the story really comes out at this point in the interrogation. She talks about how the girls slept in her bed. Sophia was cold and she had weird colored lips. She says that Serena looked weird too. She was trying to cuddle with them, but they wouldn't cuddle back. The upper of her lip was all this weird color. Mm-hmm. What was that from? I don't know. She just had a weird lip color. Mm-hmm. And there are bruises. Sophia has a bruise from the YMCA from last week when Serena went went to swimming and she hit the corner of all the cement thing and it was really dark and it had been fading. And Serena's bruise was from when she tripped on the sidewalk, and there was ten other witnesses who saw that. It was really dark. Mm. They they were fading, and all of a sudden they were all dark. Mm. And they looked pale. They yeah. looked sick. Mm. She continues to talk about how their lips were a weird color. She says she doesn't know what it's from. By this point in the interrogation. She talks more and more about the details that describe the girls as being dead, but she says them as if she believes they're still alive but acting strange. She explains that Sophia and Serena each had bruises from previous injuries that had been fading, but suddenly they were really dark. When a person dies, it's common for any previous bruises to become dark, 
even ones that you couldn't see anymore can become visible after somebody dies. She says that Serena got her bruise from tripping on the sidewalk, and she makes it very clear that, like, ten other people saw it. You're being interrogated over the deaths of your daughters, and you have the frame of mind to make sure the investigator knows you have witnesses that your daughter's bruises are from an accident. It's just a bizarre mixture of denying that she killed her daughters, but still being in that I-have-to-fight-my-ex-husband mode. What did what'd she do on this evening? She just laid there and she had her bobo, but she didn't even drink her bobo. When you say laid there, where was she laying? In front of the top. There's a, I had a towel put out. She just mm-hmm. laid there and I was drying her off and she wouldn't take her bobo. Mm. She wouldn't take her bobo no. then? Usually she takes her bobo and drinks it. She was just laying there. Mm-hmm. She was tired from the day. Mm-hmm. She hadn't had a nap. Was she asleep at that point? She looked like she was about to fall asleep. Okay. So I just got her dressed and gave her her bobo and laid her down in her bed for like maybe 10-15 minutes while I did Sophie Serena. And then I put them into my bed. Okay, so you gave, you gave Serena her her bobo afterwards? Sophia. Sorry, Sophia. Sophia, her bobo, but she didn't even drink it, which is unusual for her. Usually she drinks the, the I think it's an eight-ounce bottle of okay. bobo, and she didn't, she looked like she was ready to just sunk out. She mm. just sunk out. Alright. And that was, so you picked her up? Picked her up. I had put her diaper on, mm. put her pajamas on, picked her up, tried to somewhat dry her hair, put her in her baby bed. She stayed there for maybe 10-15 minutes with her bobo while Serena went in the in the tub and did her tub. She says she didn't even drink her bobo, meaning her bottle. It was unusual for her to not take her bobo. She also says she looked like she was ready to just zonk out. She's describing Sophia as if she's alive, but she isn't. What really happened is she put Sophia in the tub held her underwater until she drowned, then dried her off, put pajamas on her, and laid her on her bed while she took Serena to the bathtub. So what happens when she's finished her bath? She gets out of the tub and I dried her off. Mm -hmm. They both had naps. She looked like she was really, really tired. Mm -hmm. She gets bags underneath her eyes, just like me. Mm -hmm. I asked her if she wanted to brush her teeth. She was just like, meh, you know. So I just got her in her pajamas and put her into bed. Mm-hmm. Did she have anything out of her sippy cup then? No, she didn't want a cup. Usually she has water after bath time because mm-hmm. she has this bad tooth here, a rotten tooth. Mm-hmm. So she's supposed to drink water. Mm-hmm. And I just laid them both in their beds. Mm-hmm. And then I went out to the living room and was cleaning up everything came back, little pajama, their bedding wasn't off. I pulled the pajama, the bedding back up, mm-hmm. went back outside, was doing stuff. And then when I was getting tired from, I had took a bunch of pills, I was getting really, really tired. Mm-hmm. And I came back. She says, she was really tired. And I asked her if she wanted to brush her teeth. And she was just like, nah. She also says, she didn't want a cup. She usually has one. She's describing Serena the same way. She's playing as if she remembers giving her daughters baths and that they were acting really strange afterward, like this happened in some fugue state and she doesn't remember what happened correctly, but we know that's not true. 
She made videos before and after the murders, and it's clear that she intended to kill herself and both of her children in order to punish her ex-husband. But the only one person can tell us what happened last night. Mm -hmm. How did they die? I'm not allowed to speak without an attorney present. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to say. I cannot speak without an attorney present. Did you kill both of them? I cannot speak without an attorney present. This is the point in the interrogation where Campione starts to shut down. She mentions previously in the interrogation that she cannot speak without her legal advocate. The investigator continues to ask her questions anyway. As someone who lives in the United States, I understand that if you're being interviewed by police, once you ask for a lawyer, anything you say from that point forward is inadmissible in court. At first, I assumed that that wasn't the case in Canada, because this isn't the first interrogation from Canada I've listened to where the investigators have ignored a request for legal advocate. The Canadian Civil Liberties Association says that, if you're arrested, you must be notified as to why you are being arrested, you have the right to remain silent, and you have the right to speak to a lawyer. It also says that the police must inform you about legal aid and your right to a free lawyer. The police must also stop questioning you until you've been given an opportunity to contact a lawyer. At the beginning of the interrogation, the investigator explains her rights to her, and she says that she's been told to only say no. I've been told to all answer no to everything by my duty counsel. Okay. You've spoken to duty counsel? Yes, and he has told me to speak other than no. I think the key difference here is that in Canada, the police must stop questioning you until you've been given the opportunity to contact a lawyer. Since she's already talked to a lawyer and was advised on what to say during the interrogation, the police are allowed to question her. What she answers is up to her, and it's still admissible because she's already been advised by counsel on what to answer. Now, when we do the autopsy, what are we going to find? Are we going to find water in the lungs? I'm not allowed to answer anything without admission. Okay. And I, I can understand. You know, one of the things that uh, I, I wanted to make sure is that they were, they did die peacefully. Peacefully. Peacefully? Okay. Yeah, but I appreciate you telling me that because that makes me feel good as a parent and as a person too that, you know, here we, we've been talking for a little while here and I, you know, when I leave this room, I want to be able to say that you're not this monster and that it was all this that was on your shoulders. And it's, it's my job to go out and explain. My children had no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. okay. And if the day comes, I don't even know what I will say to them when I see them again. Mm -hmm. Because they knew nothing. They knew nothing. They trusted me more than Mm-hmm. Did they trust that you, what you were doing was the right thing? I don't know they can answer that. Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel you're doing the right thing? I would have liked to take them somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. 
The investigator tries to get her to admit that she drowned her daughters. It's the one question that she won't answer. She tells him that they died peacefully, but how does she know that if she wasn't at least present during their deaths? Eventually, a female investigator starts interviewing Campioni. After the girls had their bath, you put them into their bed, mm-hmm. right? Somewhere, somewhere in there, your, your, children, your children died because they did not wake up. Mm-hmm. And I asked you, I asked you if you gave them any pills. No, I did not give my children pills. And I asked you if you suffocated them. I did not suffocate them. And, and I, I cannot answer any more questions until I have a legal advocate. I asked them if you drowned them. And you didn't give me a response. And I'm sorry, Elaine, but as a mom um, and just as a human being, I'm trying to understand what you must have went through when your girls were in the bathtub. And and you held them down under the water. I can't be to my legal advocate is here. I cannot speak anything else. I'm sorry. When asked if she gave the girls pills, she answered no. When asked if she suffocated them, she answers no. When asked if she drowned them, she says she can't say anything else until her legal advocate is there. She's almost answering yes to that question by process of elimination. At the end of the interrogation, the original investigator is back, and he makes one last, more aggressive attempt to get her to admit the truth. Isn't it true you should, after you shut off the video that you pushed her down under the water? I cannot Isn't that what it's going to show, that water's under in her lungs? I and isn't that the same thing it's going to show in the other child, in Serena? There's going to be water in the lungs because you push those children underneath the water? Isn't that what happened? You push them under the water. They couldn't breathe. They're looking up at you. They're saying, please help me, mommy. And all you can see is their eyes open. And they're looking and saying, what are you doing, mommy? They can't breathe. And all you see is air bubbles. And you hold them down long enough that they cannot breathe. And they're thinking, what are you doing, mommy? Mommy, we love you. And now, you know, hopefully they're in a better place, but they're without their mom. But that vision that goes through your head, looking at your children, having to push them down under the water where they take in water and they can't breathe. Isn't that what happened? all the pressures on your shoulders, everything else you thought they'd be in a better place if you were dead yourself and now your children and both, all three of you can be united together in heaven. Isn't that what happened? I'm not allowed to speak without a legal advocate. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to tell me? just want to make sure that they know the bruises were there beforehand. I have witnesses that can prove that those bruises so on the their bruises, heads were not. You're not responsible for the no. bruises, the drowning you are. 
I cannot speak until I have a legal advocate, but I will speak upon the bruises because they are witnesses, adult witnesses, who can verify those bruises were there beforehand. But you won't talk about the drowning? No, not without a legal advocate. I was told not to. Just like the clip before, she's more than willing to talk about the bruises on both Serena and Sophia. She is concerned with making sure that people know that she did not cause the bruises. She has adult witnesses that can verify that the bruises were caused by an accident. When asked if she drowned her daughters, she says she cannot speak without her legal advocate present. Elaine Campioni was found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder, even though the defense argued that she was not responsible by reason of mental disorder. The prosecution argued that even though it was true that Campioni suffered from mental illness, she knew what she was doing during the time of the killings. Her homemade videos made for convincing evidence that she intentionally killed her two daughters as a means of keeping her ex-husband, Leo Campioni, from gaining custody. On November 15, 2010, she was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. She filed an appeal based on the jury not being properly instructed on determining if she was criminally responsible. The appeal was denied in 2015. Thank you for listening to Monsters. For more stories of the worst people on the planet, you can visit our blog at thisismonsters.com.